a playlist original. Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we review the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is Me Too. And my name is BJ. And this week, we're watching Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Keep listening to find out if Me Too is actually a junior detective, a little Nancy Drew. Okay, yeah, you can keep listening for that reveal. Well, while they think about that, how about you give them something else to think about by describing the show? Sure. So this show was created by Steve Martin and John Hoffman, and it follows an unlikely trio investigating a murder in their giant, fancy, rent-controlled building. In this trio of neighbors slash true crime investigators slash future podcasters is former crime show star Charles, played by Steve Martin, struggling Broadway, off-Broadway, and off-off-Broadway director Oliver, played by Martin Short, and the very mysterious Mabel, played by Selena Gomez. So one of the things I think stood out immediately to me is that anyone who has listened to Serial, who has listened to My Favorite Murder, any of our true crime podcast peers will be able to relate to the excitement that these characters experience throughout the story in being a fan of a fictional true crime podcast, and now living in the same building as a crime and having the opportunity to try and solve it. (laughs) This definitely feels like the dream of any true crime stan. There are even things like crime cons now. So my initial impression of the show was that it was the dream world for someone who does absolutely love a serial or a My Favorite Murder or Wine and Crime or any of those other shows. They even have a moment where they each live in the building and they're, a fire alarm goes off and they are all evacuated and they don't know whether it is an emergency or not. But a, a new episode of their favorite podcast dropped, which was called Everything is Not Okay in Oklahoma. And it's hosted by Cinda Canning, played by Tina Fey. And they have this dinner together as they're waiting to get back into their building where they have this map of the crime outlined in the podcast and they're all debating who it could have been. So it's a nice foreshadowing for the chemistry they're going to have together as they investigate the murder in their building. We definitely see their passion in that scene. And throughout the episode, we notice that they're always thinking like detectives. They quickly are looking back over the previous day, over previous encounters with the young man, Tim Kono, who was found dead in their building. They're picking up on odd objects or conversations that they've overheard. So this seems to be how they live their daily lives just looking for clues in everything. And the show feels self-referential because after that dinner, they were allowed back in their building and they try to break into the crime scene and do so successfully by employing some of the skills that they have figured out through following true crime so often. And the cop on the scene says something like, you true crime nuts or something like that. So as to imply... Maybe people in that person's profession are exhausted by true crime fans at this point. So going off of that point, we see that the officials whose job it is to solve this crime don't like 
true crime fans. And we also have an interesting perspective in this show in that we're focusing on the true crime fans instead of this dead man. How do you feel about that shift away from the murder itself and a focus on the characters who want to solve the murder? That feels self-referential too, to a point that made me really like the way that they told this story on the show and it felt different from other shows where it feels like this show is embracing the fact that when you're following something like this, you're following it just as much for the person telling the story as you are for the story itself. And so they're doing a good job making us care about the people investigating this crime. And it really, if we're being honest, is less about the crime itself. So I'm curious, they built just enough intrigue for me to want to know what happened to Tim if he was in fact murdered. However, they've built so much more intrigue around Charles, Oliver, and Mabel that I want to know way more about each of them. That's a really good way of wording it. And I hadn't considered why I was engaged in the episode, but it's because I care about the storytellers rather than the story itself. What actually happened to Tim isn't something I care too much about, but the adventure that these three neighbors are going to go on is the story I want to know more about. Yes, they did a smart job making us care about them versus the murder, because then I don't think it would have been differentiated enough from other crime shows. It would have just felt like, okay, I guess we'll just watch to see who done it. Whereas in this case, I want to see them interact with each other. I want to see them grow individually. And I don't know why, but Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez have absolutely delightful chemistry. It really feels like one of those jokes of like a this, a this, and a this walk into a bar, like Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez walk into a bar, but truly, they are so good together, and they're so funny together, and it is impressive the way Selena holds her own, given the two legends that she is acting against for the majority of the show. True. It sounds like an odd mix of actors, but it is oddly delightful. So how about we dive a little deeper into each of these characters? We can start with Charles, who, in the fictional universe has experience being a fictional detective in a crime procedural called Brazos. And now he is more of an obscure actor. Yes, there's a scene where he is even invited to audition for a Brazos type role. We want them to look like Brazos, even though you are Brazos. So that's giving us all the look we need into where his career is right now. And I really like how Charles is more of our level-headed leader of the group. I think he balances out Oliver really well, who has this higher frantic energy, and Mabel, who is very mysterious in this first episode. So Charles can help us kind of see how this group is going to mesh together and try to solve the crime. That's a good point that they needed a Charles in the show, because Mabel is almost too mysterious on her own. They intentionally obscure so much about her backstory, and it's clear that her reveals may be the biggest of the three of them as the show progresses, but we just know nothing about her now. They ask her when she came into the building, why she has such a giant unit, 
who did she inherit it from or how did she afford it or whatever. And she just skirts every question. She doesn't even try to charm her way out of it. She just doesn't answer. So it would almost be not enough to go on to care about the character. But she has these lovely grounding moments with Charles where they both think of a clue at the same time in their respective units and can't sleep. So they find each other both at the elevators at the middle of the night going to investigate. You don't know much about Mabel, but you know her passion and that makes you interested in her. And we do have some hints that Charles is hiding some details about his past. We know he's been living at the Arconia for 28 years. He says he's been living alone. A neighbor drops a name of someone else. We don't know who this other person is. They are somehow related to omelets that he keeps making and throwing away. I know that upset me too, seeing those delicious looking omelets go straight into the trash. Y'all, I love an omelet. (laughs) And to see them thrown away, just a perfectly good meal, tossed into the trash. Multiple times. So he does have a past, but he's not as mysterious as Mabel. We do have some concrete details of who he is, why he's here, and what's motivating him. Let's talk about, I think, my favorite character of the show so far, Oliver. Can you give us more about his background, Beach? Sure. I'm actually surprised he's your favorite, so I'm interested in learning more. He is a... <laughs> Broadway director, struggling. He had a show uh, that had to do with stairs and trampolines, and he's trying to continue on with new projects that aren't working well. And the cool thing about him when it comes to this whole true crime filter that we're seeing the show through is that he wants to make a podcast out of the death of Tim. So he's the one who was recording, giving lines to everyone, and really excited about the potential of where this investigation can go because it would mean that he could be successful again after numerous failed projects. That's what makes him so interesting to me. I think Martin Short specifically was so perfect for this role because it feels like he's an oversharer. It feels like he's wearing his heart on his sleeve, whereas there is clearly more there. He's an enthusiastic artist. However, He is struggling financially. We see a scene where he very uncomfortably asks his child to help float his expenses for another month. So this podcast doesn't just come out of his passion. It comes out of his drive for something else to help him bring in some income to sustain himself while he lives in that apartment. And I just think it was so interesting to have those layers to Oliver because Oliver presents as someone where what you see is what you get. I guess he's very fortunate that one of his hobbies and interests is crossing over with a financial opportunity. I mean, I look forward to us being rich enough to live in the Arconia one day. Okay, let's pause before we get to Mabel and just say, these apartments are huge and beautiful and probably quite affordable if they're all rent controlled. It's infuriating to watch. In fact, BJ was huffing and puffing the entire time while we were watching as a peek behind the curtain because they live in these giant homes and you know they're like a tenth of what they would cost now. We see inside some, they mention like a three bedroom unit. One has a huge foyer. They have fireplaces. It's wild because those apartments outside of a rent-controlled place like New York would be ridiculous and unattainable for many people like myself. One day we're going to get you that three-bedroom with the foyer and a fireplace through this podcast. 
maybe not through this podcast, but just broadly. I'd be fine with two bedrooms with no fireplace. Me too. Well, let's move on to Mabel. And her apartment's actually interesting because it is in the middle of a renovation, maybe. She claims she's renovating it for her aunt. I don't believe her. And I think that she came across this apartment by nefarious means. And she somehow just has access to a lot of cash. Hmm. Do you think she's a squatter or she does have some legitimate access to the keys? I think she has some legitimate access or it's in her family and she is there for another reason in the building. Mm, Even more questions about her. But I believe for certain that she is not overseeing a renovation for her aunt somewhere. There's so many questions about her. She is presented as the young, cool New York woman. There's a huge contrast between her and Oliver and Charles because of their age, because of their fashion, because of how much we know about their background. But she has the same level of heightened interest in true crime and solving this murder as them, which is fun to see. And what's also really strange is that she's made some... Small comment about Tim, about whether or not she believes he would commit suicide, which makes you wonder, what was her relationship with Tim? Because Charles and Oliver just call him a neighbor in passing that they would see in the elevator. She has not given any details. That was one of my favorite bits of comedy is when they were talking to the cop about Tim and Oliver goes, we know him in passing. And then the cop looks at him and Charles covers it with not his passing, just passing by him. And then Oliver goes, before his passing. And I just loved that little play on words. It felt very happy endings with the Shaka Khan Khan for any of my happy endings stands. It was just a delightful wordplay. Additionally, Mabel, it seems very eager to break into places, to search places. She's the one who was suggesting how to use the freight elevator. So I am curious to see what type of potential trouble she will get the group into because she is gung-ho to move forward with this investigation however possible. That's true. She is willing to get down and dirty, literally sifting through trash to figure out what happened. You gotta do what you gotta do. So do you want to watch more episodes of this show as Mabel does what she has to do? I think I will watch this again seriously. Ooh, okay. It's a surprising mix of characters. I myself am not the biggest true crime podcast fan, but now I apparently have discovered I like watching true crime podcast fans solve mysteries. (laughs) So just take that up another layer. And you know, I've liked Selena Gomez for a long time. So I'm down for it. How do you feel about only murders in the building? I feel very similarly. I too don't really listen to true crime podcasts. I don't really have space in my mind anymore for any sad podcasts or serious podcasts. However, this show was so fun. And I saw one review call it something like a perfect fall treat. And I think that's a very good description of it. I would recommend it, especially this fall, I feel like for the rest of this afternoon, I'm going to make like a hot tea, curl up, and then watch as many episodes of this show as I can. I think three are out now. And it's a half hour. We forgot to say that. Shout out to Steve Martin or whoever decided the time limit on this show. A half hour, perfect length for a television show. We've strayed so far from the light across streaming platforms, away (laughs) from the 30-minute storytelling format. 
And this comes back to it in a beautiful way. Such a neat 30 minutes to tell this story. And now let's come back to the question that is burning on everyone's mind. Tell us about your past as a junior detective. I have never investigated. I almost said detectived. I have never (laughs) detectived anything in my life. However, I was a very big Nancy Drew fan as a child. I read all the books. I remember reading often in the books that she would be followed by a car. And so when I was a kid, if a car was ever behind the car that I was in for too long, I would always let my mom know, like, keep your eyes peeled. That blue sedan has been behind us for a couple miles. And I'm sure as a parent, that may have been unnerving to hear from your child in hindsight. But, you know, I was just trying to protect us. And that's as much investigating or detectiving as I did. Okay. So what you're saying is you have the skills, you have the knowledge, but you haven't put it into practice. You know what? I did go to the opening of the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. when I was a child. And my very, very sweet uncle that took me bought me a spy kit and I practiced spy drops around D.C. using the kit from the museum. So I also have spy career experience. That's amazing. Thank you. I know it's really impressive. Don't feel intimidated to anyone listening and to you specifically, BJ. Like, don't be intimidated. It's I'm just a person. Just an amazing person. I'm just an amazing person <laughs> who is no kind of detective or spy, y'all. Do not hit us up for that. <laughs> I, I lose my phone all the time. I'm not the one. <laughs> or the two. Anyway, if you want TV recommendations, you should head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at thepilotpod, and you can send thoughts, feelings, your favorite books, your only murders in the building theories to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.